This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We've got a lot to get to today. Be joined in a little while by Iowa-based radio host and writer Andrew Downs talking a little bit of Hawkeyes, Gophers football for Saturday. Who hates Iowa? Um, A lot of you probably do. We'll see if the Gophers can get out of Iowa with a win for the first time since 1999. Yeah, the year starts with the 19, so you know it's been a long time. Um, s- small aside, by the way, you know I w- I'm 45 years old now. If I, when I was young, I couldn't imagine the year 2000. It felt like forever ago, uh, forever in the distance. And now it's you know, now we've been in the 2000s for uh, you know for, for more than 20 years. It's it's very upsetting but anyway that's a small aside along those lines got gophers hawkeye saturday big game both teams tied atop the big 10 west standings we'll have mark craig on the show in a little bit as well nfl picks time can the vikings win in los angeles beat the chargers another chance to perhaps turn that season around but it will not be easy against justin herbert and the rest of that offense and we'll have a SUNY Lee story at the end. Gymnast from St. Paul, of course, gold medalist at the Olympics. A disturbing story uh, that she shared in a recent magazine cover story. But first, what did I miss? Let's talk a little bit of Wild right off the jump. Um, lost 3-2 to Vegas Thursday night. Trailed 3-0 going into the third period. Gave up a bad, bad goal at the end of the second period that really probably sealed their fate even with their good third period comeback got to 3-2 power play was disappointing all night as Sarah McClellan will tell you in just a minute she sent in a voicemail it's our new feature here on daily delivery where I ask you and sometimes I ask our beat writers to send in an audio file of a rant or in Sarah's case or another beat writer's case a uh, a well-controlled analysis of what happened in a game um, but yeah, it, it just felt like they, they, they couldn't quite get unstuck, had a lot of opportunities in that game, you know, and it was, it, listen, it, they're nine and four now. It's not the end of the world to lose a game like that. Vegas is still a good team, but you know, an opportunity missed because Vegas, of course, being the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. Um, Sarah talked about a lot of those things in her voicemail. Let's take a listen. One team had back-to-back five-on-threes during four minutes of uninterrupted power play time. The other team won the game. The Wild had six power plays against the Golden Knights on Thursday night at T-Mobile Arena and whiffed on all six chances. A costly effectiveness that highlighted just how off the Wild looked at times in a 3-2 loss that snapped its four-game win streak. Trailing 2-0 after a slow start, The Wilds had a glorious opportunity to bounce back in the second period during that four-minute span in which Vegas committed three penalties. But the Wilds failed to capitalize, a momentum swing that ignited the crowd. The entire game, though, felt like a missed opportunity. Vegas was sitting at starting goalie Robin Leonard and was missing a handful of regulars due to injury. This was a perfect chance for the Wild to show Vegas its early season strides after the Golden Knights knocked the Wild out of the playoffs last season. Instead, Vegas has the early edge in this season's series, and the Wild moves on to Seattle where its next chance to rebound is Saturday. 
Good reminder here that you, the listener, can send me a voicemail as well. Direct message on Twitter is an easy way to do it. At Randball is my Twitter handle. You can also send me an email, michael.rand at startribune.com. Record it on your phone, hit send, give it to me, and I will play it on this podcast. Should be a lot of things to rant about in the next few days. Speaking of ranting, another Minnesota team out on the West Coast right now, the Timberwolves story struck me uh chris hine good story from chris hine our beat writer writing about carl anthony towns and how he sounds disappointed after the wolves have now lost six in a row including that most recent one against the warriors a couple nights ago hey guess what um if if you're if you're upset carl um do something about it um here here's this quote just want to win i can't elaborate too much on that i just want to win we got to play our way to get respect that we're just not getting it earlier he uh you know he he said uh he'd said about losing streaks how they you know they kind of add up in minnesota you know what carlton towns is still you know he's a max player he's this is his seventh year if you're not winning it's it's partly because of you carl it's partly because you aren't giving them what what they need especially in the context of games that are slipping away He's still, you know, not not having the right maturity level in certain games, still not delivering what they need. I've harped on this before, but during that four game, the first four games of this losing streak when they were at home playing winnable games, he was a minus 97 in those games. And again, that's a team stat to a certain degree. Sometimes you can't control what happens when you're on the court, but sometimes you can. And there is there is a maturity level that I still don't see out of him on the court. And you know if he seems downtrodden because they're losing, um, yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying this "woe is me" stuff. If that's what he's, uh, if that's what he's bringing to the table, I'm saying, Carl Anthony Towns, you need to do something about it if you want to get out of this rut. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24/7 gaming, the good times never have to end, and you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by Andrew Downs. uh, Works in Hawkeye Country works for uh, 106.3 FM KXNO Radio and uh, works also does some writing down there, for, uh, covers uh, a lot of Hawkeye, Iowa Hawkeye sports. Of course, the big game this weekend down in Iowa, Gophers against, uh, against the Hawkeyes. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. So, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to you before, but I've been, you know, I follow plenty of Iowa stuff, especially as it relates to Minnesota. What's, give me the, you know, Iowa football was was flying high. Maybe flying high is the wrong word because even when they were going well, it wasn't exactly a, a high octane team. But what is what's happened lately that has, you know, kind of taken their taken their season into a little bit of a detour here? You know, it's it's a few different things. Um, there there were a lot of even in that six and zero start and that rise to number two in the country. Uh, there were always some questions about specifically the offense and the offensive line couldn't come together like some Hawkeye offensive lines have in the past. Uh, were, was their offense dynamic enough, especially in the passing game, to, uh, to, to win a shootout, to win a game where they needed to make a big play or have a big drive? And then lastly, can this defense continue to c- 
turn the other teams over at the the rate that they were through the first six games. And then it was kind of a perfect storm against uh, Purdue and then against Wisconsin where those things didn't happen. Uh, The offense couldn't kind of battle out of a hole. And you saw kind of all of the bad things come together and and two losses. And so um, I don't think any Hawkeye fan was overly surprised that they were tripped up, certainly not by Purdue, who's beaten Iowa for the last five years. Uh, and you always wonder about a trip to, to Wisconsin. You guys know that. That's a tough place to go and play. Uh, but it, it was certainly disappointing to to see kind of all of the, the hope and the hype go away so quickly after you, you get that number two ranking uh, and you had that 6-0 and start to the season. It felt like the first half of the season uh, was the, the tougher half, games against Indiana, Iowa State, Penn State, uh, a Maryland team who at the time was undefeated. And I would pass all those tests with flying colors, and then you get into the second half of the season and the Big Ten West, and you have these rivalry games, these coaches who know your team and your schemes and your program so well, and uh, it just, just hasn't gone the way that Hawkeye fans had hoped it would. It was nice to get back to a win over Northwestern on Saturday night, but even that was kind of a lackluster win. You had to hold on for a five-point win against a bad Northwestern team. And Hawkeye fans have lost a lot of games in Evanston, and so we'll take a win however it comes against Northwestern. But I don't think any Iowa fan is, like, overly confident that they're going to, you know, run the table and and make a play for the Big Ten West here this season. It it feels like um, they kind of are who they are, and and maybe some of that stuff in the first six weeks, I don't want to say it was a fluke, but maybe it was uh, it came a little easier than, than maybe it should have. Is there any, I mean, with that, with that as a backdrop, what's the confidence level with, you know, not just from fans, but with the team going into, into this game against Minnesota, which has had its own stumbles this season as well? You know, you, you find us in a, a really interesting position because, as I said with the, the game against Northwestern on Saturday, the biggest thing that happened in that game was a change at starting quarterback. And a part of that is because of injury to Spencer Petrus and his shoulder. Uh, and a part of that is just, again, the ineptitude of this offense, um, certainly against Purdue and Wisconsin, where I was only able to score a touchdown in each of those games and, and of course, lost both of those games. And so Alex Padilla came in at the end of the first quarter against Northwestern and provided a spark for this offense. Now, is that because Northwestern is is bad at defense, or is it because Padilla has, you know, some unknown qualities that Spencer Peters didn't have? That's yet to be seen, and and we'll find out some of that this weekend because uh, Spencer Peters is not listed on the two deep due to that injury. Alex Padilla is set to be the starter, so this will be his very first start. Uh, certainly his first, you know, Big Ten game like this uh, inside Kinnick Stadium. So, you know, will he rise to the moment? Um, it, he he was able to connect with some of our young talent at the receiver position, both Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce, who are both freshmen, uh, and, and really feel like the future of the wide receiver position at Iowa. And he had a better connection with them than Spencer Peters has. So does that mean that those guys are going to get more involved in the offense this week and, and maybe we will see a more dynamic Hawkeye offense? Uh, I think that's that's best-case scenario. That's what Iowa fans hope for. And then if that passing game does get going a little bit, you hope that Tyler Goodson and that running game can come in and, and have some success as well. On the other hand, though, I think Iowa fans are are a little worried about, you know, was that a bit of a fluke? Was it more that Northwestern's defense was poor? And is Alex Padilla – I mean, because there's a reason Alex Padilla hasn't started up until now, right? He, he hasn't shown in practice that he's the number one guy. And so – I don't think anybody thinks he's going to come in and be some sort of savior. Uh, so there's a chance that you're going to see another anemic performance by this offense. 
And if that's the case, can Iowa kind of battle out of a uh, of a hole if they fall into one? Can this defense turn Minnesota over and set the Iowa offense up with some short fields or, or maybe even score themselves? Can Iowa special teams get back to what it was the first six weeks uh, where the punter, Tory Taylor, was – you know, knocking everything inside the five-yard line, and they made every field goal. Um, so, so again, it, it feels like it feels like this is an Iowa question, and really, it feels like that for the next three weeks for the Hawkeyes. It's less about the opponent, and that's no disrespect to Minnesota or or anything that the Gophers have done this year. But if Iowa shows up and plays the way it's capable of playing, I think Iowa can win this game fairly easily if they show up the way they did against Purdue and Wisconsin Minnesota is going to get its first win inside Kinnick Stadium in two decades you're right it's been what since 99 I think and it's been this this rivalry's gotten lopsided even I think the last six have gone Iowa's way I was actually looking at the the trophy series is exactly deadlocked right now even though Minnesota has the overall series edge. I think the trophy you know, since they've been playing for Floyd of Rosedale, I feel like it's like 40, 42, 42 and two or something like that. It's it's exactly even. So we'll we'll see that uh, we'll see that. Yeah, I guess tie that tie broken. But just you talking about Iowa reminds me a lot of Minnesota right now with just them not being able to get much dynamic offense going if they fall behind by any margin, which they did against Illinois and that really disappointing loss this past week, and it feels like it's hard for them to even come back from a two-touchdown deficit to a bad team, let alone a good one like Iowa. So it feels like this could be, you know, unless something dra- dramatically changes for one of these two teams, this could be a 14-10 to 10 kind of, you know, callback game to 40 years ago in the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. It, it certainly could be that, and honestly, that's probably how Iowa wants to play it, you know, short of uh, you know, doing what they did to Maryland and turning them over several times and, you know, scoring in, in bunches. Uh, Iowa likes to play those kind of slow, plotting, low-scoring, you know, classic Big Ten games. And I think if, if Iowa could, could choose a style of game, that's what they would pick because they're very confident in this defense, uh, in, you know, the bend but don't break, letting, you know, if, if there is a big player too allowed, it'll be in the middle of the field and not, you know, go for a score. Uh, and then, again, you, you just don't know what you have in this Hawkeye offense. And so if, if you tell me Iowa can score 14 or 21 points and get a win, I think Hawkeye fans would all take that going away and, and be very happy with it. Because if Iowa has to score 30 points to beat Minnesota, I'm just not sure this offense is capable of that the way they're playing right now. I'm not sure either one of these teams is capable of getting to 30 the way they've played in uh, certain stretches. I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, both teams kind of – I mean, Minnesota technically – kind of has its its fate in its own hands still if they win all three of these games down the stretch, which includes Wisconsin here at the end of the year. They will win the West based on tiebreakers and other things. But, you know, Iowa still, of course, very much in the mix too. I mean, these four teams at four and two should make prefer for a pretty fascinating stretch run here. Yeah, it, it absolutely should. You're exactly right. And, and it's hard for us to really put our finger on, on Minnesota. You know, you had the, the interesting game to start the season against Ohio State. Uh, the the loss then um, not long to Bowling Green, which was kind of a, a head scratcher, especially after blowing out Colorado. Uh, and then you have that what four game win streak where things look pretty good. It seems feels like it's rolling, and then uh, kind of a, a stinker against Illinois, and an Illinois team that seems to be playing well and is going to you know put fear in a lot of people, but not a, a great team by any means. And so yeah, it's as we sit down here looking at this Minnesota team. Um, you know, without Ibrahim, without Potts, with, you know, just not really knowing what this offense is. Um, it's, it, it is an interesting, and then, 
Iowa, I think Iowa fans have moved on from the Big Ten West, at least until Wisconsin loses a game, and, and maybe even until Purdue loses another game. And, and that could both happen this weekend. But uh, Iowa fans were so hyped, and, and it really feels like a disappointment that they're not going to get to Indianapolis if that's the way it goes. And I really think it's going to take like a decisive win this week and maybe some help even this weekend for Iowa fans to move themselves mentally back into even the possibility of winning the Big Ten West which, again, is disappointing because it's been since 2015 that Iowa has, has won the Big Ten West. And while it's a good you know, division and, and it's not an easy thing to win, I feel like Iowa fans think their program is in a place where they should get there more often than every six or seven years. And so uh, especially when you start out 6-0, and you kind of pass some of those challenges that I talked about earlier. If you don't ultimately win the Big Ten West, it, it does feel like even if you get to a – you know, nine and three season, it's going to end up being a disappointment because you didn't get that ultimate goal of playing for a Big Ten championship. Well, we know all about disappointment here. Um, you know, Gophers have had some some seasons kind of on the brink where they, you know, thought they might be able to break through. And, you know, honestly, a lot of times Iowa has been one of the teams that has spoiled it. I mean, 2019 in particular, when the Gophers are, you know, flying high, undefeated, and then, you know, come, you know, still have a really good year, finish 11-2, and two, but still felt like could have been more had they been able to beat either Iowa or Wisconsin uh, at the end of the year. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, opportunity is there for both teams. It feels like it's a, this feels like it was going to be hyped a lot more two weeks ago before, you know, both these teams had had some struggles, but it's still a lot on the line. Um, any any final thoughts? Still here talking to Andrew Downs down in Iowa. Any final thoughts on this game, or you know, any predictions that you might have for how this thing turns out? You know, again, it's it's really hard to predict. I, I feel like if Iowa shows up and and has the defensive performance that they had, you know, seven of the of the nine games so far this season, I like Iowa's chances to win, kind of regardless of what the offense does. If this defense is able to to turn Minnesota over uh, to, to maybe put Minnesota into a hole and then just hold them down. I like Iowa's chances to do that. So I do like Iowa's chances to win this. I think it's like a, a six or seven point spread. That, eh, that feels like a little, a little much to me. Maybe I like Iowa to win by, by three or four. And, you know, just kind of in general with the rivalry, it, it is still a very fun rivalry. I, I love the Floyd of Rosedale trophy. And, you know, honestly here in Iowa, we, we really enjoy the, uh, the hatred that we get from Minnesota fans or that it feels like it's coming from the Minnesota fan base. Oh, the, the, the who hate the who hates, the who hates Iowa stuff. You always like that. <laughs> Anytime Minnesota does the who hates Iowa chant when you're not playing Iowa, that's just like a badge of honor for us. We, we love that. Um, but, and, and especially, you know, to, to have this six game winning streak in this series, this rivalry, which uh, although has become a little lopsided, has always been a, a very good rivalry. Um, it, it was interesting last year with Kirk Ferentz and P.J. Fleck and the timeouts and, you know, Ferentz after the game saying, yeah, we'll take the trophy and leave the timeouts, kind of an ode to the godfather and, you know, leave the gun, take the cannoli. And, and Ferentz doesn't do that much. And so, uh, you, you know, it makes you wonder, what does he think of P.J. Fleck? Does, you know, how, how, what does he think of this program? Um, so th- there are some fun parts to it for sure. Uh, and it, it'll be you got to think that one of these one of these days, this game is going to mean everything in the Big Ten West, right? And as soon as Floyd of Rosedale is on the line in a game that determines the Big Ten West, I think that can amp this rivalry up even a little bit more. But it is a really fun rivalry for a really cool trophy, and uh, it does help Iowa fans that that they've won six in a row to uh, to kind of feel pretty good going into this game. 
Well, absolutely. It's, it is earned. Um, should be a fun one on Saturday. Not everything on the line, but a lot with these, you know, these two teams, part of that four and two log jam atop the Big Ten West. Good stuff. Andrew Downs, thanks for joining Daily Delivery. Maybe we can catch up again down the road. Anytime, Michael. Thank you. Good chatting with Andrew Downs. Hope you guys enjoyed that perspective from Iowa. Uh, perspective from Vegas, by the way. They don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game at all. The over-under line is 37. You don't see games like that specifically in college football, but there you have it for the Gophers against the Hawkeyes on Saturday. It's NFL Picks time with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Mark, you bounce back a little bit. Last week, it wasn't quite as bad as the week before. Um, this week's got some intrigue to it, especially Vikings Chargers. Maybe we can start there because unlike a lot of folks, you like the Vikings to win this game. Um, and you said before we started, you weren't entirely sure why. And I'd like to hear wh- what you've come up with in the uh, two minutes since then. Well, you know, I think they got another one score went, you know, battle in them. And I think that this is the, if you've been out there, um, I mean, SoFi has been basically a a a, home, a road home game for teams that have been out there. I mean, the Chargers have had to go to a silent count uh, whenever they've been at home, which is absurd. Browns players were waving on the, you know, the 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 Chargers or the fans in the crowd that were Cleveland fans out there. Vikings fans travel really well. Um, I just like the fact. I think. The Vikings are due. They, you know, they have, what, five losses by a total, all one-score losses by a total of like 18 points. I don't see them breaking yet. They're not to the point where they're going to bust and and be blown out. So I, I think they're going to get rewarded for this one. But being out there, it's, it's an easy venue to play for, for a road team. The Chargers aren't that good on defense on third down, which will help this team. Um, but, they you know, they've got to step on the throat earlier in the game uh you know last week when they settled for that field goal before the half just knew it's like oh you know this is going to play out the way it's played out so many times this year uh, but i think this is a chance for them and, and if they do that then they come home to the packers the home crowd's a little more excited uh and you sort of right the ship a little bit i don't i just don't see that this that there's a gigantic hole blown in this ship yet um i think that they got some fight plus just let's face it. When a, when a team goes through what they're going through this week, typically they they rebound even more. So that's my uh, that's my story, Michael, and I'm sticking to it. I think we have the same impression of the Vikings that they're not in give up mode. I think they you know had a lot of holes, obviously, against Baltimore, and they just got worn down in that game, particularly on defense when they couldn't. You know, just a combination of missing guys and then the offense not being able to do enough in the second half, especially after those first two touchdown drive. So I think you're right. They, I think they have more competitive football in them left. I'm, I'm just concerned, I guess, about their ability to stop the Chargers on offense just because they're missing so many key people on defense. And I know Cam Bynum, I thought, actually played pretty well last week in Harrison Smith's place. and They'll have to do it again this week. But, you know, Justin Herbert's a, one of the, you know, probably the best quarterback in terms of accuracy that they've seen for quite some time this year. I mean, they've had, you know, the likes of Jared Goff and you know, uh, Sam Darnold and even you know, Lamar Jackson is not the uh, world's most accurate quarterback for as dangerous he is and dangerous as he is. And, you know, Cooper Rush, they just haven't really faced the uh, the level of quarterback that they're going to face. So regardless, I think it probably is. A, it's got to be it's going to have to be a high score game, high scoring game, I would think, if they're going to win. Right. 
Yeah, you know, and I, and I actually, I like what the defense did. I, I was stunned uh, that, you know, we, we assumed that there wasn't going to be much of a pass rush after Daniel Hunter goes down. I liked what Willickus did. I mean, I thought he was very active, you know, that's his you know, first or second game where he's really contributed. Um, you know, they generated a pass rush. They, they played well defensively enough to, to win that game. You, you get a great interception from a, a rookie making his first start, replacing an all-pro in Harrison Smith. He takes it down to the 16-yard line, and they go, they, they go back a yard and kick a field goal. And Matt Barr at uh, Anthony Barr has the splash play that we've been all been whining about that he hasn't had in seven years. It was like a play he made his rookie year. He does that. The Vikings go three and out and punt. I mean, uh, the defense played well enough to win. It, it's the quarterback. It's the play calling. It's it's seizing the opportunities that the defense laid in front of them Two, one to put the game away in the, at the end of the first half and the other to win it in overtime. Um, I think the defense, obviously they played about 89 snaps or whatever it is. They got worn out. And, but I think that there's still enough pop in this defense and maybe they get Pierce back. Maybe uh, I'm not sure where Peterson stands, but you know, they get, they got enough left in them to, to play another game where they, it's just up to the offense to do the offense should be carrying this team. And right now when it's handed opportunities to carry it, it doesn't, it just doesn't come through first drive. Great. End of games where you're desperate. Great. But in the middle, whenever they need to, to put a boot on the neck, they don't do it. As, as you assess it. And I've talked to Andrew Kramer about this. I've had my own thoughts about this. You know, as you think about the play calling, as you think about Kirk cousins, as you think about, you know, receivers maybe not getting open sometimes as you think about the offensive line struggling to a certain degree, especially, you know, up the middle, allowing some pressure there on Cousins. Is Do you have an order in which you kind of rank those things in terms of, you know, A, what's the most culpable and B, what's the most fixable to, to help get this offense going? Well, I mean, I would say the most culpable culpable is is the quarterback. I mean, you're paying a quarterback $33 million. You put him in that at that that bank account where you know he's supposed to be making uh, blemishes go away that's what the great ones do he's been fantastic he's been worth every penny on these some of these late drives um but there yeah there's some moments where a good example is uh i think andrew reviewed these plays uh second down after the bynum's interception the pass to uh to thielen um on second down you know udo gets blown up it's run into uh, Ham who falls down and there's a rush up the middle. Um, yeah, it's a rush, but I think, you know, a great quarterback sidesteps it or makes a little more accurate throw. Even Kirk after the game was saying he should have put the ball on Thielen on that play. And then one play later, the third down play, I think he one hops it to, to Jefferson on the other side. So yeah, there it's, it's a, it's a, it's a shared blame, but I think the quarterback is supposed to make, things bad go away and he has the ability to do that he he just doesn't he has the arm strength and the accuracy to do something special and he time after time won't take advantage of that and he also has the receivers that can make the plays and I, I'll I'm sure if you talk to the receivers and, and they were speaking frankly especially Jefferson they wouldn't be happy right now with not being given some opportunities to help dig out of this hole and the quarterback should be given them more opportunities. We talk about quarterbacks. Interesting um, as we shift gears a little bit within the division, Seattle against Green Bay. 
this week. Uh, kind of an unknown there. I mean, you would imagine Aaron Rodgers plays as long as there's no setbacks in his COVID recovery, he'd be eligible to play. Russell Wilson also eligible to play. Um, the dynamics of that matchup obviously change a whole lot depending on what quarterback suits up for which team. Yeah, it could be uh, Russell Wilson against Aaron Rodgers or Geno Smith against Jordan Love. I mean, uh, I, I went with the, the Packers. I think that this, the, any combination of those quarterbacks um, probably is in favor of the Packers just because they're a better team. They're at home. Um, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's, he's amazing, but can he just walk on the field? Because he's not eligible to even, like, be around the team, I believe, until Saturday. Um, can you just, I mean, he could probably wing it, you know, um, but who knows? I mean, he has to be symptom free and everything. So maybe he doesn't play. Uh, but I still, I, I, you know, I take it all, I take all the scenarios into, into effect, into, into consideration. I, I like the Packers at home. The Browns against <clears throat> the Patriots. Interesting matchup there. The Browns have been a little bit up and down. I'm sure you're aware of, uh, aware of that, but, uh, you know, some, <laughs> Some good, uh, some good, good things going there still this year. Patriots have really found a gear this year. I think what have they won four out of their last five, and it could have been five in a row if they would have beaten Dallas. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting matchup to me, and I, I don't, you know, I don't haven't followed both teams quite as closely as perhaps you have. What, what do you like about that game, and and how do you how do you see that one that outcome being determined? Well, I love that the Browns destroyed Cincinnati without Odell. Uh, their record with Odell Beckham on the field was 14 and 16. Without him, it was nine and five, and they won their first playoff game since 1994. So, you know, good riddance to him. Uh, you know, I, I, when I was picking this, I thought it would be a close game. Uh, somehow I just uh, – Baker Mayfield strikes me as a kind of quarterback that Bill Belichick will find a way to put the game on him and then – find a way to beat him. Um, but, you know, the Browns, uh, if they get the running game going, if all their running backs are healthy, if they're able to play, they can control the game. But um, I sort of went in a close game. I went with the, you know, the, the Belichick at home factor uh, over over the Browns. Are you surprised at the, to the degree at which they've been able to kind of turn themselves around this year? I mean, rookie quarterback, is this, you know, I think the narrative last year was, you know, they, they struggle. Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay and wins a Super Bowl. And then you, you're like, okay, well, the, the genius obviously is in the quarterback and not the the coaching. Is this a validation a little bit of, of Belichick so far this year? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I, you know, I, I, we did mid, I did a mid season awards and, you know, it's really early. I mean, it, the, the coach of the year and MVP could be all, it's all over the place right now. Um, but I had Belichick as the coach of the year because you know, if he, they get better. I mean, typically Belichick's teams, they almost use the September as a preseason. They just kind of keep working and work it, get better, get better. And then uh, obviously whenever they would hit the playoffs with Brady, then they were, you know, so much better than everyone else or had the ability to just be better than everyone else. What they've done now is make this guy look, um, you know, he's not, I'm not going to say he looks like Brady, but he plays with, uh, they found a part to, to put in place that looks like he can execute and be have the, the poise to give them some of the things that Brady has. Now, obviously, it's going to take a lot of experience before he can even come close to being a, that type of veteran. Um, but I, I just like how that guy's playing. And not only is he a rookie quarterback, he's the fifth one taken. 
uh, of the five. So uh, I, li- I really like what New England is doing. And uh, they just find a way. You know, last year, your first year without Brady, you got Cam Newton. Really don't have anything else. Um, but th- then they, they targeted the quarterback and uh, they got him. So I, I really like what they're doing. And if they end up in the playoffs, right now they're the seventh seed in the, in the AFC. You know, if I'm the second seed, I don't, I don't think I want to be taking on the Patriots in that first round. No, not a chance. Last thing, Mark Craig, upset special. You like New Orleans over the Titans, I believe. It's an interesting, uh, interesting matchup over there. Titans very much in control of their division. That game is in Tennessee. Saints have been an unpredictable team this season, but as you note in your picks, they're 3-0 and as an underdog this year, you like them 26-23. I think I like that pick. I think, you know, Tennessee will struggle a little bit. Um, you know, they, they did fine last week without uh, without Derrick Henry, but that's got to catch up with them at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been really high on the, on the Titans the last uh, four weeks that they've been winning. I think three of them were upsets, or uh, maybe all four were upsets. Um, but, but it's like the rule number one, as soon as you get too high on a team, especially when they're playing a, a team like the, the Saints that are so unpredictable um, and they're 3-0 and as underdogs, it just felt like time. You know, as, as you're looking through these, you got to pick an upset. And this one had the feeling of, you know, watching the Titans last Sunday, what they did to the Rams, just how they, you know, without Derrick Henry, they, they just uh, you know, playing so well defensively and, and got by offensively. And, it just felt like, you know, okay, now you know, Titans are the best team in the AFC. Well, two weeks ago, this, the, the Bengals were the best team in the AFC. They were on the top, and now they're 10th in the AFC. So the AFC just kind of circling itself up, you know, up and down, uh, turning itself over. So it just felt like time for Tennessee to lose to a team that's unpredictable. Well, we'll see how it all plays out this weekend. Big one for the Vikings, if they can – Managed to get this one, get a little bit of momentum. They got a big one against Green Bay a week from now. Kind of a kind of their chance to to get their season back on track, but uh, it's got to happen sooner rather than later. Although that NFC playoff picture is a uh, it's kind of inviting. I think the Falcons are in the seventh seed right now, and the Falcons don't really scare me much at all. Yeah, they're four and four. You know, the Vikings are a game out of the seventh seed. Now it all depends on what camp you're in. If you're in the camp of it, you you live for the draft. You're you're that's the worst thing ever. But if you're in the camp of, hey, let's just, you know, slug it out and add them up at the end, then it's kind of, you know, but granted, they, the Vikings are, if they have another one, if, let's put it this way. If they have another another game that they should have won and we're talking about coulda, woulda, shoulda again next week, I think they come home and I think that's the breaking point. That's when they get blown out. By the, so I agree, I agree with that. And that would be a, wasn't it uh, basically isn't that, isn't that where it ended for Childress? Wasn't it a, a blowout home loss to Green Bay that was the final straw for him? Like 34-3 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but no. I'm just that uh you know, it, uh, you know, you only got so much where you can, you know, especially th- this defense deserved to win that game. And uh, you know, you got and and the coaching staff was it took some chances. I mean, you had a you had a fake punch, you had a you go for it on fourth and goal with the two. Uh, you had a kick, you know, the special teams kick return for a touchdown, two takeaways that were really great takeaways. And then the offense just let them down. I think that's how, that's how I view it. I agree. Good stuff, Mark. We'll see you again next week. All right. All right. See you.
Always enjoy catching up with Mark Craig for the weekly picks segment. It's a weird league, you guys. It's it's hard to pick these games from week to week. I think Thursday's game between the Dolphins and the Ravens is another example of that. Dolphins win 22-10. to I actually don't think Baltimore is all that good, and I think we might get to the end of the year and, and think about the Vikings game there as an even bigger missed opportunity than we already are, given they lost you know a, a two-touchdown lead in the second half in that game. But I, Baltimore... Just strikes me as a team that, uh, that that might hit a slide here pretty soon. I just don't feel like they're a very good or well-rounded team, and the Dolphins exposed them and only gave up 10 points to Lamar Jackson and that offense in that game. Let's finish with the cooler, disturbing story like I alluded to at the beginning involving Suni Lee, the Olympic gymnast from Minnesota, told Pop Sugar that she was in Los Angeles recently and uh, was the victim of a uh, of a racist attack. They, they, she was waiting for a, a ride uh, when a car drove by. People were shouting um, racial slurs. She was pepper sprayed on the arm, and uh, it's just you know, it, it's just that's awful. I mean, it, you know, the context of it, of course, being that there's you know a lot of anti-Asian hate incidents that have been happening. And she said she could felt like she couldn't do anything about it because she was worried about her reputation if she retaliates then does she wind up you know does she wind up in the tabloids things like that but you know long story short awful that that happened to her and hopefully her speaking out about that will have some measure of keeping this from happening to other people in the future that will do it for this week should be plenty to talk about on monday and the rest of next week Got the Vikings playing this weekend, the Gophers playing this weekend. Got Minnesota United playoffs coming up a weekend from now. Should have a good Minnesota United guest sometime next week as well. So look forward to that. Have a great weekend. We'll be back at it on Monday.